Hi, it's uh, Bookish Talk, the shorter version of uh, iBookBinders podcast. Uh, today we have a guest. Uh, it's uh, Kate Holland, and uh, bookbinder from from UK. Uh, she was among uh, uh, the binders who were working uh, on the six binding for five bindings for the uh, Booker Prize last year. So we wanted to discuss this project and uh, all the things about it, and maybe something else. Uh, hi. Hi, Stefan. Hi there. And uh, yeah, the second guy is Pavel, my co-host. Uh, he joins us from Moscow. So hi, Pavel. Hi, Pavel. Hi. I wanted to start uh, maybe to to ask you to to uh, tell a couple of words about yourself and about uh, the uh, beginning of this project because you weren't the, the first binder who worked on this book and uh, and you you've got it at, at some moment and then uh, continued to, to work on it. So. Uh, it may mm -hmm. be something something not not uh, not so uh, standard or usual uh, for for our listeners and viewers because uh, usually it's like one binder goes through the same project and <laughs> here is yeah. something different. Yeah. No. Uh, well. So hi everybody. I'm Kate Holland and I'm a bookbinder from the UK. So living. I live near Froome down in the southwest. And I've been bookbinding for nearly 25 years now. Um, I studied at London College of Printing and City Lit and with Mark Cockrum at Studio 5. Um, but other than that, I've been working on my own um, and raising kids, you know, family as well as, you know, that's work as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, but the, the Booker Prize um, last year was, yeah, was an interesting one. That normally we have, I think about four weeks to, you get, I've done it th three times before, I think. And you normally get about three weeks, the book arrives to you as a paperback and you read it or you go and buy the paperback, you read it. And then the book arrives in sheets. And so you've got the whole, it's very intense period that you've got to come up with the design, research around it and bind it. So it's, it's really intense, but it actually, I think it produces some really excellent work because you're so in that zone, in that moment, producing that work. And so it's so all encompassing and, and, you know, you're thinking about it in the middle of the night and you're thinking about it first thing in the morning. And um, at the end, you're exhausted when you hand it over to the author, but it's don't, really- don't, don't you hate it by the, by the moment you finish with it? <laughs> no, I'm just like, please take it away. <laughs> it's, it's great because A, they as authors, they've been living with this text as well. So they, you know, it's, it's a real sort of interesting collaboration without collaborating because the author's written the words and then you've gone away and produced something else around those words. And, and for them, it's really, fascinating to see what someone else has their response to their text and I think most most authors are really they love it and you know they're really excited and they're just really touched that someone's put in the time and the effort to put in all those processes and you know and you know and they're going leather and gold this is amazing so, so yeah it, they they it's great and you normally you go and sit at the dinner and it's really you know black tie and it's very glamorous Anyway, we are now in a different world of COVID uh, where there are no black tie dinners. And um, so, yeah, so the last year um, I was back up to Derek Hood. Um, every year we have, each binder has a backup just in case, but it's, they've never been used. Uh, 
that. So last year I got a call from Derek about two weeks before the hand in date saying, look, really sorry, I can't continue. I'm just not well enough. And so I was like, okay, great. I'll, I'll put aside everything else I'm doing at the moment and um, take it on. Uh, so I went and picked it up from him and he'd had some ideas of the design, but they weren't still fully formed. He gave me the book which had sort of been gilded and covered and so it's ready to put down the joints and the doubleurs. Um, but all the choices had been made already for the end papers and the edges and the covering leather and so I, those couldn't be changed in any way for me. So it was, I have to say, a really, really difficult project because you're coming at something you have no, I had listened, I'd had listened to the audio book at least. So I had a concept of what the book was about and some images that I had in my mind about what I would do if it was me. But because you're coming to it with someone's already halfway through, you've got to work with what they've given you. Um, and Derek is one of the best binders working. And so obviously it's a huge pair of shoes to step into. And do I do you know his design? Do I do my design? Do I try and amalgamate the two? Do I, I it was a really complicated intellectual puzzle. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually, in the end, I went to Derek, I said, look, Derek, well, <laughs> I'll just be your hands. You know, this is your book. You, you tell me what you do, what you were planning. He was still halfway through the design, but we came together to an end design working from his original drawings. Uh, so, but then I was using very much his techniques and his style, which is very, um, you know, people know if that's a Derek Hood binding because um, they, they look similar and he has similar design elements. So I wanted to, I felt that that was the simplest thing rather than try and copy him or emulate him, it was just to be him and, uh, you know, tell him, basically tell him, what should, tell me what to do and I'll, I'll do it. Um, but there was a lot of interaction and talking and, and chats in car parks and um, it was, yeah, we got there. That may be a different, definitely an interesting experience to try to be a different uh, bookbinder, different artist. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I suppose that's what I was struggling with is, is this is essentially a collaboration, but I have to put aside my own ego and um, say, look, I'll I'll just be your your minion, and um, you tell me what to do. And maybe I was just being lazy. I don't know, or maybe I was just being making life easy for me. Uh, but it, it felt like the right thing to do. Um, so Perhaps we could talk a bit about the book itself and how the design of the binding relates to the book. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, uh, well, Stepan has the images. Let's look at the housing photos. So this is a housing estate in Glasgow um, called Sight Hill, which most of the uh, book is based in this housing estate. And she, he looks out over Glasgow and you have a wonderful sort of nightscape of Glasgow. But particularly this sort of um, texture that's going on in, in the... Um, the facades of the buildings and the yellow and the gray and the white. I think that's what I was picking up on and wanted to use. This, this is wonderful sort of architectural shapes going on in these 
buildings and with this walkway. You'll see this walkway comes again later on the M papers. Um, when, I, when I saw these photos, uh, I, I, I thought, well, this is something that uh, perfectly that would perfectly fit in Moscow suburbs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my thoughts exactly, which is why I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, in the book and for you, does this look as depressing as it does to me? Oh. The, the book is depressing, but a lot of it is, it's about alcoholism and poverty and the grind and misery of having, you know, no money and being beaten up by your husband. And, you know, I mean, it's just relentless misery. But within that misery, there is, there's really funny moments. And um, I suppose what uh, we were looking at is that the, the woman, the, the, the novels, the Shuggy Bane is the son and his mother, Agnes, she is the alcoholic and within, you know, the, the can of lager is her sort of golden life. You know, this is what all this grayness parts and um, everything's okay because she's, she's basically pissed. And she, um, uh, it, <laughs> so I think we were trying to make it not relentlessly gray and depressing, but to celebrate the humor that people still can find in the most impoverished of circumstances and and I suppose also to reflect the sort of um, golden glaze that you have after a few cans <laughs> pints whatever yeah and could you show the the, uh, the book itself okay so so the colors so the the, the biscuit base color that arrived to me already on. So I, because I, I have to admit, when I first saw that, I was like, this doesn't relate in color in my mind as, you know, what I would necessarily have produced for this book. So we had to work around that. Um, but the colors that are being used on those uh, architectural blocks, um, the, the grays and the blacks and the dark blues, um, they're all within those uh, housing estate images. There's also that, uh, there's a faux chagrin in there, the sort of um, texturized, dimpled texture to it. And that looks very much like, to me, looks very much like the, the pebble texture that's on the side of the buildings. Yeah. And then the yellow and the gray and the white are within those colors on the buildings. And the black and the red and the, is, is the receding taxi of the husband who moves away and there's always his red tail light of his taxi as he drives away again, leaving the wife and children home on their own. Um, yellow, but I think that's basically it. The, 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 the little white window at the top on the front board, that's the, um, the window which she looks out of down onto Glasgow. Um, dreaming of a, of, a, of a better life. And the, um, the semicircles of dots are basically the, the colliery. So she moves to a, a mining village, or she is moved by her husband to a mining village and then abandoned there. Uh, but the colliery wheels, which uh, go um, around where they're mining for coal, I think those dots are representing that, but also a sort of, uh, you know, the vision down on Glasgow and a, the better life, you know, the sort of basic design was, was Derek's design. And then we, together, we um, 
played around or we toed and froed with the colors a bit discussed i think so you might have some that so this is the uh front cover and gilded forage mm -hmm. gilding Here's same a bit more close up this is a fully full gilded edge again you might think this is a, a, a book about poverty depression gray misery why have you put gold on it but i think we you know again she she had always aspired to a better life she always looked tried to look like elizabeth taylor that was her movie um you know icon that she was trying to emulate all the time she just wanted that she was always well dressed well presented despite having no money and um so I th yeah i think you know there's it's nice to have that that sheen of gold on there. Overall, I'd say uh, it has a very optimistic feel. I, uh, it doesn't look like a, uh, like a great, sad book. It, uh, it has its uh, own light. And also, I like the rhythms on the, on the covers. Mm -hmm. Your eye just can't, can't stop looking at them, which reminds me of uh, how a cityscape looks. Mm -hmm. uh, when you, uh, I live on the 21st floor, so I'm very familiar with that. You look outside, and on uh, on once uh, on one hand, you all you see is houses and people and cars. But on the other hand, there is a, a certain rhythm, certain music to it, and I think it captures it perfectly. And speaking of Elizabeth Taylor, uh, could we see the end papers, please? <laughs> so the Dubleurs are yeah. So there she is. She, and this, so the the picture that I showed you earlier of the walkway going up to the um to the housing estate, you can see has been um, behind her, onion skinned behind yeah. her. Um, and I played with we were looking for the, the the tackiest image of Elizabeth Taylor that we could find, but you know it's just fabulous. I played around with peppering it with diamante and, and little sequins this this the, the woman in the book she's always you know has sequin jumpers and and then actually just thought we're going to keep it keep that's enough don't need any more than that and then i don't know if you can see there's another image i think i sent it with the so it shows the de blur facing the end paper now it's not a very good photo but there's a, a gilded lager can stain on the end paper so you know when you put your wet pint down and it leaves a a rim of water. There's a, there's that, but it's gilded. But I, I oh, never yeah. photographed yeah, just, um, it. It's just in the corner, hiding down at the bottom. You can see that. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. that's witty. I like this. It's not, it's not, I, I have got a better photograph, but um, yeah, not immediately obvious where it is. So the whole process took you two weeks. Was it enough, or were you working over over time? It was it was pretty intense. I'm quite used to working quite. I've had to learn to work quite fast. Um, I think a lot of that is to down to having kids as well. So you've got to squeeze anything. You know, your working time into when they're at school or whatever. And I've had to learn to be quite fast and accurate. And also earning money. You know, you only earn money if you can get the books out the door quickly enough. Uh, speaking of kids being at home, uh, all this happened uh, during the quarantine. So, what was that like, working with uh, with them at home? Um, I'm trying to remember. Were they at home, or were they? I think 
So I'm just, the doors just open and close. That's my son coming in to do his homeschooling now. Um, his, his lunch break is finished. There he is. <laughs> I think he's got English now. Um, so yeah, it was, I've got my workshop at home. Um, so I can do pretty much everything here. I, I have a lot of colleagues who are locked out of their binders during the lockdown, um, which has obviously been a major problem. But um, yeah, and no, I'm very, very lucky to be able to work from home and have, have all the equipment. It's, it's more materials. If you can't get hold of materials, you'll obviously pop to the local shop to go and get something. You've got to work with what you've got. We talked to Todd Davis uh, uh, last April, I think, uh, right, right when uh, the lockdowns uh, were starting. And uh, he, he's a bookbinder from Boston, and uh, they were closed for two months or something like that. And uh, he he didn't have uh, he doesn't have equipment at home. He has he all of his equipment in in the shop, and uh, uh, he still had to pay uh, rent for all these months. Uh, he 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 didn't have any access to to his workshop, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty depressing moment. And I guess it's uh, it's uh, an experience that many bookbinders and other uh, artisan and craftsmen uh, can definitely share. Yeah, I also wanted to ask you how you uh, balance uh, two uh, uh, two kind of jobs. I assume you ha uh, you have to do uh, your uh, your more regular run of the mills uh, run of the mill uh, jobs and uh, things like this uh, one offs for competitions or for uh, exhibitions of of a clients who want something really special. How how much of your work is this kind of job? One, my run-of-the-mill stuff still fairly one-off commission type stuff anyway I don't do like restoration or I do a bit of case finding but not a lot most of I'd say 90% of my work is all design I was going to say design bindings but they're not design they uh, I also do the ins insides of books I do I help clients make up the book from scratch so we get um you know whether it's photographs or, or text and we put it all together so i help them we'll do very very limited editions uh still in leather binding still with gold tooling um and then the the one-off design ones i i try and um apportion my year and i'll put it all on the wall calendar i say you know this hand in needs to be for this this needs to be this and i'll work everything around it and then inevitably something will come along like this which you know two weeks have suddenly got to be found from nowhere and you just have to write a lot of begging emails to your clients saying really sorry but this has happened you know would you mind terribly and generally they're very understanding um i mean most clients i've i've learned as a bookbinder to now deliver books i've always said now within a year um from getting the job um i have i do you know of people who I still have the books? I, in fact, that's not true. I still have some books three years old waiting on my bench. But, um, you know, more interesting jobs come in, more expensive jobs come in, better jobs. You know, obviously you have a queue. Everyone has to wait. But some things are more urgent than others. And some clients are more amenable than others. And so you have to um, be professional um, but keep, and keep them informed. Um, but obviously, but still have some wriggle room and be prepared to do some late nights and some weekends. And the kids have to eat baked beans. So how long is your queue? Do you know what you'll be doing uh, through most of uh, 2021? Yeah. 2021 is full. 
pretty much. I've got, I, I allow, you know, I, I've got a little bit, I allow about sort of 10, 15% wriggle room to, in case something like this comes in or, you know, and sometimes you just get the most amazing call and they go, how about this? You're like, oh my God, yes, I'm going to drop everything and do it for you now. Um, but obviously without pushing everyone else out of the way. It makes me sound like I'm a real sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sounds um, like a very enviable position. It's a great position to be in. I'm very, very uh, lucky uh, to be in this position. Um, I keep being told that I should either put up my prices or get an assistant, and I haven't done either of those yet. So um, I need to, yeah. But it's, it's as much work as I can take on, on my own. Uh, how long did it take uh, you to come to this position? When did you become really independent? Um, I've, I've always, I've never really worked for anyone else. I've always worked for myself, but it, I've had to, it's only in the last, I'd say five years that I've really ramped it up and I'm working full time. Uh, before I'd be working two or three days a week. Well, you know, with, it's with kids. I mean, it all comes down to, you know, what you can fit in and around your family. Um, so I was a stay-at-home mum, but um, I was also managing squeezing two or three days bookbinding as well. But now I'm full-time, so five, six days a week. And um, it's, I don't know, I'm just, I still have some kids at home, as you can see, but they have to, they have to learn to be fairly independent quite quickly. Are you thinking about uh, having a, a bigger working place, a systems maybe? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's a really difficult leap to go from one person to two people, you know, to suddenly double up. You've got to find enough regular work to keep another person occupied full time. You know, if you're going to take on someone and their salary, um, obviously there are apprenticeship schemes. And, and I do a lot, quite a lot of teaching. I like teaching people. I love getting new people in and showing them the wonders of bookbinding. And um, I love getting out there into the real world and telling them about bookbinding. You know, I think us bookbinders, are, we're all quite inward looking and, and the world of bookbinding is quite a closed shop. And so I'm keen to get it. Um, you guys are doing a brilliant job, you know, telling telling the stories and, and, and getting it out there. But um. If you go to craft, you know, craft fairs, or you go to collect, there's no books there. There's no book binding there. There's jewelry and there's ceramics and there's, you know, but there's no, book binding doesn't really count as a craft, you know, as a high-end craft. So it'd be really great to elevate it, you know, a bit more and get it, get it out there, recognized as a thing. So thanks a lot, Kate, for talking to us and uh, giving some insights uh, uh, on how this uh, uh, booker binding was made and uh, all the other things we discussed. Uh, I would also like to uh, thank our, our uh, viewers and listeners and uh, special thanks go to uh, our patrons on Patreon who uh, with, uh, with their money help us to uh, edit, to cover expenses on editing these uh, videos. So uh, their input is uh, really crucial to us uh, if you want to uh, become a member of this crowd please check the link below like subscribe and uh, see you next time thanks a lot bye bye, bye. bye.